Okay, we are, we are still in Matthew chapter 2. But what I want to do is, is just pick out a few verses from this and focus in on them. And, and let, me, let me start in Matthew chapter 1 verse 20. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 24, And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took Mary as his wife. So it says that, that he was in a, he was, uh, the angel spoke to him in a dream. And you say, well, is it, was it a daydream or was it really, was he sleeping? Well, in verse 24, it says he awoke from his sleep. So the implication here is that he was sleeping and in a dream an angel spoke to him. Now look in Matthew chapter 2, verse 12. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. So God warned them, speaking to them in a dream. Let's look in Matthew 2.13. Now when they had gone, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. Now verse 19 of the same chapter. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go into the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. And then in verse 22, But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Then, after being warned by God in a dream, he left for the regions of Galilee, and came and lived in the city called Nazareth. Okay, so you see that that what's happening here is God is speaking. God speaks. God speaks to Joseph in a dream. God spoke to the Magi in a dream. And just because we can't hear doesn't mean that God is not speaking. A deaf man cannot cry out and blame the speaker. It's the deaf man's problem. It is not the speaker's problem. The speaker is speaking. Let me, let me start by saying that Joseph heard from God again and again and again because he responded to God's light that was revealed to him. In Matthew chapter 1, Verse 20, he responded to what was said to him to do, and more came to him. As we respond to the light given to us, more light is given. This is a common principle throughout Scripture. If you respond to the light that's given to you, more light is given. When we don't respond to the light that's given to us, we receive no further light. God's pattern is always this way. In Matthew chapter 25, there's, there's a clear parable concerning this. In Matthew chapter 25, it talks about three different men. 
And Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like this. In, in, in Matthew chapter 25, verse 1, it says, the kingdom of heaven will be comparable. And he goes on and starts talking these different parables. This kingdom of heaven is the same as the kingdom of God. They are synonymous. Uh, if you look in some other Gospels, even parallel accounts, sometimes they'll say the kingdom of heaven was, is like such and such, or the kingdom of God is like such and such. They are synonymous because even the parallel accounts will use the two ways. And in fact, Matthew invariably uses the kingdom of heaven, does not say the kingdom of God, because he's writing to Jews. Jews are very sensitive about using the name of God as it remains to this day. And so he substitutes the kingdom of heaven for it. But you see, it, in, in Matthew chapter 25, verse 14 onward, it talks about three men. Three men that were given talents. One was given ten talents, another was given five talents, and another was given one talent. And, and he goes on and he says how two of the men took what was given to them and gained much more by investing it, by using it. But one man took the talent that was given him and hid it in the ground. And it did not go well for that man who hid his talent in the ground. In other words, God gives light, He gives insight, and He gives us opportunity to respond to that light. And when we respond to that light, more light is given. If we don't respond, we don't receive more. That is a common pattern throughout Scriptures. But what's clear throughout Scriptures also is that God speaks. God speaks to His people, not just in scriptural times. Look in, in the Gospel according to John. John chapter 10. And in fact, uh, uh, John chapter 10, verse 16. John 10, 16 says, I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will hear my voice, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. And verse 27, My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. It is clear in the pattern of Scripture that God speaks not only to those who lived in biblical times, but He speaks to other sheep of His fold that are beyond that initial fold. He speaks to us. His voice is clearly there. God speaks. I remember as a new believer that I would spend so much time crying out to God, say, Lord, speak to me. It is clear from Your Scriptures that You speak. Speak to me, for I don't hear You. Lord, speak to me. And I will tell you, after uh, knowing God, I, I, I'm on my 28th year since I got saved. I have never heard an audible voice from God. Never. That's not to say that He doesn't speak that way sometimes. Sometimes He does. There are others who have clearly heard His audible voice. In Scripture, there are examples of His audible voice. Nevertheless, God speaks to me. Do I ever hear Him wrongly? The answer is yes. Have I ever thought I heard God and it was clear that it was not God? The answer is yes, many times. In this, I am faced with my own humanity. There are different ways that God speaks. God spoke through a dream in the Scriptures to Joseph. He spoke in a dream to the Magi. Look in Acts chapter 16. Here's another way that He spoke. 
Acts chapter 16. And verse 9. A vision appeared to Paul in the night. This is Acts 16.9. A man of Macedonia was standing and appealing to him saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God was calling us to preach the gospel to them. You see what they did. They responded to the word that was given to them. Immediate response to the word. When we respond to God's light, more is given. When we respond to God's revelation, more is given. If we do not respond, more is not given. God awaits for us to respond to the light that He's given. He had a vision of a man saying, come into Macedonia. There are other examples. Look in Acts chapter 23. Other ways that he spoke. In Acts chapter 23, verse 11. But on the night immediately following, the Lord stood at his side. This is Paul's side. The Lord stood at his side and said, Take courage, for you have solemnly witnessed to my cause at Jerusalem, so you must witness at Rome also. So here, Paul says that Jesus actually stood at his side and said, Take courage. Why, why would the Lord say, take courage? Because Paul needed some courage. I mean, Paul the Apostle needed courage, yes. And so he stood at his side and take, said, take courage. Jesus doesn't waste his words. Paul doesn't turn around and say, why, why are you telling me to take courage? I'm not afraid. Jesus says to him, take courage. For you solemnly witness to my cause at Jerusalem, so you must witness at Rome also. So you see that God speaks sometimes coming right next and right alongside somebody. This has never happened to me in this way. But on the day of my salvation, I was a freshman in college. It was November 7th of my freshman year in college. I remember getting on my knees and nobody else was in the room. Some folks had told me about how to receive the Lord. And, and I was on my knees and I, and I said, Lord, please forgive me. And Lord, come into my life. And I remember a presence filled that room and I just started to weep. And that was not something that I normally did. And it was as if there was a presence in that room and I never wanted to leave. And after that event, I never told anyone. And for two weeks, I never told anyone. And after two weeks, the young man that had shared the Lord with me initially asked me if I had become a believer. And I said, yes, I had. How did he know? And he said, well, you haven't stopped smiling for two weeks. Something happened to me that day. The Lord speaks in different ways. And I'm going to go over with you some of the ways that I've seen him speak in my life. And some of the ways that, that I think that, that we need to be sensitive to and other ways that, that I think that, that we need ha to, to be careful of, in that God can certainly speak, but it's, it's easy to hear God wrongly. And I am the master of hearing God wrongly. Right? Um, sometimes He gives an impression. There are few examples in my life where He has spoken so clearly, even by an impression. There was a, a family that, when, when we were in graduate, school, Sharina and I uh, uh, 
I was studying. She was taking care of children. And there was a couple that moved right across the parking lot from us and married student housing. And this couple had come from India, and he was studying in the chemistry department. He was postdoc in the chemistry department. But his main reason for coming to the United States was to have his wife see some doctors because she was unable to bear children. Well, she saw some doctors, and all the doctors said, we're sorry, we can't help you. We can't help you. So they looked her over, and they examined her, and they, they said that there wasn't much that they could do for her. Well, he told me his story, and I don't know why I said this. To this day, I don't know why I said this to him. But I just felt that this is what would happen. I said, you come to church with me. And he was a Hindu man, he was not a Christian. You come to church with me. The brothers will pray for your wife, and she'll be healed and have a child. I mean, how about painting yourself into a corner? I, I had no idea why I said that, but nevertheless, the next week, I went to his home that Sunday. He was just across the parking lot to get he and his wife to bring them to church with me. His wife, being a Hindu, does what Hindus do. She was in the closet. They had a little, little uh, worship room set up in their closet there in married student housing, and she was burning incense to all these little gods. And... You know, I, I didn't know that that negated what I had said to him. I just had said what I said. So anyway, he came to church. I shared it with some of the brothers, and I shared with some of the brothers how his wife was, you know, burning incense to these gods. gods. And one brother came to me, and he said, the Lord just spoke to him that she would not bear a child until she repents of burning incense to these other idols. And I thought, well, if the Lord said that to him, the Lord said that to him. He hadn't said that to me. The brothers prayed for her. Two weeks later, she went back to the doctor. The doctor said, ma'am, you are pregnant. She bore a daughter. Daughter's name was Abilasha. Shireen, can you vouch for this? Daughter's name. So nine months later, she bore a daughter named Abilasha. After he finished his postdoc there, he went to Berkeley, did a second postdoc. At Berkeley, he had a son. He went back to India with two children. God spoke to me that he was going to do something in the life of this person and I said it, brought him to church, and it happened. That doesn't happen to me often. The other person who said he heard the Lord was clearly wrong. So do people sometimes have an impression and are they wrong? The answer is yes, a lot of times. And a lot of times, in my experience, it's best to keep our mouths shut. So in other words, if you have an impression... It's best to keep your mouth shut about that. That's between you and the Lord. Let me give you an example. I have a daughter. Her name is Umbreen. Umbreen, are you here today? Not here. Okay. Umbreen is my daughter. She was to be a son, according to two prophets. Two prophets heard from the Lord that when I told them my wife was pregnant, they said, you are going to have a son. So convinced was I, based on their prophecies, that I named her Luke. All right? And even as I saw her coming out, I said, here's baby Luke. And it turns out to be a daughter. Then one of those two prophets said, oh, it must be for your second child. Now, my second child is here today. And her name is Sabrina. So, look, when, you, when, you're, when you're predicting the, the sex of a child, you have a 50-50 chance anyway of being right. It's better to keep it quiet. If God has given that word to you, just keep it quiet. Because I guarantee you, half the time you're going to be wrong. There are only a few examples in Scripture where God revealed the sex of a child before the child was born. 
Other than that, he says, you just wait your time and you'll find out. And we have technology today. You can really find out for sure if you really want to. No problem. There are, there are other times when I have been clearly wrong in hearing the Lord. And why I'm telling you this is because so that you won't get all bent out of shape when you don't hear the Lord. There's this award, and I'll, and I'll tell you, there's this award that's given out by the National Science Foundation, and you have to be, I, I, you have to be 35 or younger to get this award. Once you're over 35, the day you hit 36, you're no longer uh, uh, eligible for this award, and it's called the Waterman Award, and it's given out by the National Science Foundation, and it, one is given out per year, one per year, and it's generally given out to somebody who's 35, because because there's lots of people wanting this, and it's given out over all disciplines. So, in other words, they, give it a, they consider engineering, mechanical engineering, electrical engineering, all the disciplines of engineering, all the sciences, biology, chemistry, physics. So, over all of these disciplines, one is given out per year. Not to each discipline, but one per year. It's, as you can imagine, a highly coveted award. It comes with $500,000 of research support. So it's, a, it's a good size grant. It's $100,000 a year for five years. And, and to a younger investigator, that's a great award to have. It looks great on your record. And it was perfect that it should be given to a chemist in the year that I turned 35 because it had gone from engineering to biology and it was the chemist's year. And it had been a long time since a chemist in the materials area had been given it. And I just really felt that God was going to give me this thing. And I would pray that thing for two years. I was praying for that. For two years. You know, people say, you've got you to just envision this in your mind. I envisioned it every possible way. And everything was set up. And I had some of the best people in the world writing my letters of recommendation. I said to them, you know, the Waterman is coming up. Waterman Award, would you consider me for this? And, oh, yeah, I'll be sure to write you, write you a letter for that. I had some of the best people around the world writing me letters for this. Well, guess what? I didn't get it. And so you can't say, well, God has it for you in the future. No. I mean, the day I hit 36, I was no longer eligible. I heard God clearly and wrongly. I heard Him. We hear God wrongly at times. Nevertheless, I continue to pray that God would speak to me. The way that God speaks to me primarily is through the Scriptures. And as I have met other men who want so much to hear God, this is the primary way that they hear God, is from the Scriptures. As we engross ourselves in the Scriptures, God speaks. Sometimes God speaks a precise word. An example of this is that, is that uh, when, when I was doing a post-op, we, we were living in California, and um, I got on this kick that, that godly women didn't need to wear makeup, and I would tell this to Shireen, and Shireen would continue to wear makeup, and she doesn't wear much. I mean, she doesn't need much. <laughs> but, you know, just a little bit of eye stick and things. And there was, yeah, and a little lipstick and mascara. I think that's about it. Maybe there's a little more these days. But anyway, at the time, it just wasn't much. I didn't mean that in a bad way. I mean, just, just, she's gotten better at it. I don't know. Well, anyway, it's not a problem anymore. It's just not a problem. But it was a big problem back then. And I remember all this friction coming in the home because of it. 
And then when God, one day God spoke to me clearly through Proverbs 27, verse 9. I just happened to be reading in Proverbs. I read from beginning to end in the Scriptures, from Genesis to Revelation. When I'm done, I start again. Proverbs 27, verse 9 says, Oil and perfume make the heart glad. Oil and perfume make the heart glad. And God clearly spoke to me through that, that let her wear her makeup. It makes her glad. It makes her glad. And it has never been a problem. Never. In fact, do, do I ever t- stop you from wearing makeup? In fact, I've, I'm glad she does. Not that she needs it. I'm just, if that's what makes her happy, I'm glad. There was another, another case more recently. And I have, I have lots and lots of cases of this in my life. And in fact, on my website, if you listen to that, that first message on my website, message number one, I talk a lot about these cases. Let me give you a more, more, more recent example. I was asked to head up the Carbon Nanotechnologies Laboratory at Rice since the death of, of Rick Smalley. And this is something I really did not want to do. And I had colleague after colleague coming to me saying, Jim, you're the perfect guy to take this over. You've got to do it. And I presented to the dean two other candidates. So here are perfect individuals. Here's two of them. And both of them were willing to do it. And one of them really, really wanted to do it. And I said, they're both perfect. Well, the dean came back to me with the request to do it. And I told her, my heart's not in it. It's not something I want to do. And I left her with that and I left the country. I was in Korea. And, I got a, and, and she contacted me while I was in Korea. She said, I want you to do this. I said, you know my heart isn't in it. She said, I want you to do this. And I happened to be reading in, in uh, uh, 1 Peter. That day in Korea... I happen to be reading in 1 Peter chapter 5. And in 1 Peter chapter 5, just before I started reading 1 Peter chapter 5, I was on my knees and my heart was just wrenching because I really didn't want to do it. And you say, well, why wouldn't you want to do it? Because I don't like administration. Because I love my research group. I love science. And I love to be able to talk with my research group about science and them respond to me and, and, and then we write papers together. This is what I really like to do. I don't like leading professors because they don't listen when I tell them to do stuff. In fact, when I tell them to do stuff, they do just the opposite. And they resent it. And students, you know, I tell them what to do and they do it. And if they resent it, I don't care. They just do it. And, and then I read this in, in uh, verse... verse uh, um, Second, uh, First Peter chapter 5, and then in verse 6, it says, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you at the proper time. And just there was this rush from God, which so often happens when we read the Scriptures, and He's speaking to us from a particular verse. He says, it is the proper time for you to take this position. It is the proper time. And in verse 7, casting all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. And I was laying before Him all the burden of this behemoth of an organization that it would have to pick up. He says, cast all your anxieties upon Him because He cares for you. I still don't have a strategy. I'm still seeking God for the strategy for this center to keep it ongoing. Because I can't run it the same way that Rick Smalley did because I'm not Rick Smalley. But He's going to give me the wisdom for this center. 
as I cry out to Him. He says, cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. He speaks, and then He confirmed it. And He confirmed it again and again, and I started meeting people. And they would speak to me right around this very verse to confirm it again and again. And so I hesitantly went to the dean and I said, I will do this if you really want me to. But remember, it's not where my heart is. You've got two people here who are willing to do this. And one who's really excited. Nevertheless, I've been announced as the director of the Carbon Nanotechnologies Laboratory. Whoop, whoop. I mean, I mean but anyway, it's, it, 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 there's a lot to do. But God speaks through the Scriptures. As believers, the most characteristic way, as I've talked to many believers, is that He speaks through the Scriptures. He speaks through the Scriptures. I remember one day that I was, uh, I was invited to speak at something called the Holy Convocation. It is a meeting called the Holy Convocation. And I really didn't want to go because I was going to have to travel to New York State and I really didn't want to travel. And I started to read that morning and as I read, I said, Lord, if you really want me to speak of this holy convocation, speak to me through the Word. And as I was reading that day in the Scriptures, it said, it said in the Old Testament, it says, and you shall have a holy convocation and do no laborious work. <laughs> sure enough, I booked a plane ticket and I went and I spoke at the holy convocation in New York State. God speaks through the Scriptures. He has this pattern of speaking through the Scriptures. Remember, I was, when, when we had moved to Indiana, I was just a student. So I was just your age. I just graduated from college and I was starting graduate school. And, and I had moved to Purdue University. And I remember praying all that summer, Lord, lead me to the right church. You know where I'm supposed to be. Lead me to the right church. Because I, I recognized and I well knew, even at that age, how important the local church is and functioning in the body of Christ is. That I wasn't going to be just jumping around from place to place. I was really going to just, just go and serve at some place. And I remembered uh, the first day that, that, that I drove in there, I, I dropped off this rental car at the airport, and I was walking back from the airport. And it, was, it wasn't that far. It was only about like, like a two-mile walk, something like that. And I was walking back to the graduate dormitories where I just moved into. And I saw this sign that says, said, Upper room, come worship with us. And I had remembered reading that same thing in the newspaper that summer from, from, from the university. So I went in there, and, and uh, uh, it was a different kind of service. I had come from, from an evangelical church, and this was a charismatic church. And I didn't know anything about charismatic churches, but a great church. And the worship service was just tremendous. I mean, charismatics will have will just bury evangelicals when it comes to singing. I mean, the singing is just so much better. And, 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 uh, and I remember thinking, you know, the people here are really nice and everything, but I just don't know much about it. And all that week I was praying, and then the, the following Sunday I was on my knees, and I was just about to read the Scriptures, and I said, Lord, I will go back to that church again today, but this is the last time I'll go there, unless you speak to me, clearly from the Scriptures that I am to go to that church. Then I started to read the Scriptures and Jesus said to His disciples, Go, and a man will show you an upper room and there you shall have the Passover feast. Upper room? 
that's the name of that church. And then, boom, just the presence of God moved in my room. He spoke to me the very name of that church, the Upper Room Christian Fellowship. And it just, you know, all of this started coming together. And God clearly spoke to me through the Scriptures, because that was my heart's cry all summer, that He would speak it clearly. And so what happened was, even though my church back home didn't understand why I would go to a charismatic church, I just, for four and a half years, that's where we, we... partook and that's where we served and that's where I poured out my life and Shireen and I got so much blessing from that church so much I grew I learned I matured in that church God spoke to me clearly from the scriptures and had he not spoken such a clear word I don't think I would have continued because my pastor back home this evangelical church that I come from was not at all excited about my attending this charismatic church But he was the one who taught me how to hear God speak. And I said to him, and I went through this little story with him, and I said, here is what I was reading in the Scriptures that very day. And as soon as he heard that, he said to me, you'd better keep going to that church, because God spoke to you. This is what the Word of God does. It gives us clarity. He is able to speak into our lives. He speaks a fitting word. Sometimes it's the precise word. Sometimes it's a principle. Sometimes it's speaking just insight to tell us, hey, this is your time. This is your time. As he told me with with taking up this new position, that this is the time that he was exalting me in this. It wasn't something that I was grabbing. And that I could take all my anxieties and cast it on him because he would care for me. He speaks forth and he gives light. He speaks through the Scriptures. God speaks. As you read through the Scriptures, you will see again and again God speaking to His people. I think it is a tragedy for us to say, well, you know, I might hear God wrongly, so I don't think I'll ever listen. That's a big mistake. A big mistake. And sometimes we step out and sometimes we hear God wrong. I had even mapped out my research program and the proposals that I was writing in my research group knowing that I would get the Waterman Award. So when I didn't get the Waterman Award, I had some real scurrying of proposal writing to do to feed my large research group. So I heard God wrong. Well, what am I going to do? Sit there and suck my thumb and cry all day that I heard God wrong and refuse to read the Bible ever again? You know, this is what many believers do. When God doesn't come through in their way, the way they want, they don't want to play anymore. They take their Bible and they go home. But many times we hear God wrong. We have to be careful about speaking things into people's lives that really may not be for them. Sometimes, in our desire to be labeled as a great prophet... We will hear a word and speak into somebody's life, and it was never meant to be spoken forward. We have to be careful. But when God speaks to us, we can keep that to ourselves and say, Lord, this is between me and you, and allow God to reconfirm that. There's a question. Where, where, where would I draw the line between cautious and taking action? That's a good question. I, I think that when your word, the word that you hear from God, is for somebody else, 
you want to be extra cautious. Because a lot of times people make mistakes for other people. Um, uh, so I think that that's where we have to be really cautious in general. The only time I ever spoke such a bold word was for this woman, Mrs. Singh. And so in 28 years, I've done it once. Speaking into the lives of other people, we have to be more cautious. You know, God gives a word of wisdom at times. You're counseling somebody, you're talking with somebody. You can give them some advice, but that shouldn't come, the Lord spoke this to me. You you see what I mean? You may have an impression which may very much be from the Lord, but it's in how we deliver that. Because, oh, well, if the Lord spoke it to you, then I I have to be really careful. Um, You know, I I was talking with a graduate student, and I I was... suggesting that he join my research group. And he says, well, the Lord told me this, and the Lord told me that, and the Lord told me I should go to work for Microsoft. And the Lord, I said, oh, that's really cool. God speaks to you more clearly than I've ever heard Him speak to me. Then he was <laughs> really caught up, and he ended up working for me. So, so but, but when it's for ourselves, I think that, that we can ask God to reconfirm that word. And there's no sin in asking for a confirmation of that. Um, and then, then we can take it and begin to hold it more. But in our desire very often to be labeled as a great prophet, we want to speak that into someone else's life. That's where I think we need to be extra cautious. But for your own children, a lot of times you'll have you know, just a tremendous word of wisdom. Or for other people, you'll hear that, hey, you know, I don't know exactly what the Lord's saying, but let me show you something that the Scriptures apply right to your situation and let them read that. You know, and then it's obviously... You know, something that God talks about, whether it's particular for that situation, allow God to speak that forth, okay? Um, So those are the cautions, those are some examples. But we must be open to God speaking into our lives. The problem that we have as evangelicals, more than anything else, I think, is that, oh, God no longer speaks. And we're going to figure out this whole thing to ourself, for ourselves. And I think, in general, we make great mistakes by saying, this is what I'm going to do with my career. This is what I'm going to do in marrying a spouse. This is how I'm going to run my life. Without saying, Lord, speak into my life. And one of the greatest ways to have Him speak into your life is through the Scriptures. Because you know whatever you read, at least God has breathed it. Whether that's, for that situation, allow God to confirm it. And the way He confirms it for me so often is it's, I've particularly asked Him for insight on that topic, and then His presence just fills the room when I read that verse. And I hear reconfirmations again and again. When the Lord said, leave her alone, oil and perfume make the heart glad, I have never had trouble with Shireen wearing makeup again. Never. And I don't mind. And in fact, sometimes I say, Would you like more? And it's not because I think that she needs it. I just know that she likes it. Oil and perfume make the heart glad. I'm glad that she does. You know, you you can't win with this. If I say don't wear it, you know, people get upset. If I say wear it, people get upset. But I'm just saying I know it makes her happy. So it's a good thing. God speaks into our lives, into situations, into careers. He speaks words concerning your careers if you ask Him. And remember, the problem is not with His speaking. He speaks quite clearly. The problem is that we suffer with deafness. That's the problem. We can't blame God. We have to blame ourselves.
Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word because your word cries out with wisdom and knowledge and insight. And Father, I pray that you would take these young people here and you'd cause them to cry out to you. Lord, speak to me. Speak to me through the scriptures. Give me insight and speak to me. Father, I pray that you would do that. Father, I pray that you would, you would be speaking into their hearts. And Lord, I don't want to hinder anything from coming forth in their lives that you might have for them. You might speak words into their lives and impressions, words into their lives for other people. And Lord, I don't want to hinder that. If that's a particular gift that you've given some of those here, Father, exercise that gift in their lives. Let it not be hindered because of my words here. But Father, I pray that you'd also cause each one to be engrossed in your word, so filled up with your word that you would speak to them through the scriptures through words from the Scriptures, and as they come even in situations during the day, that they could reflect on Scriptures that they've memorized or learned before, and that through that you'd give them wisdom and insight for particular situations. Father, I pray that you bring them up all the more as men and women of God, and I commit them and their lives to you in the name of Jesus. Amen.